my darling. But it's not the star we put at the top of our Christmas tree. I'll find it. I know which one it is. Poor boy. Bad That's the sound from the opening scene of the new Holocaust play from the legendary British playwright Sir Tom Stoppard. It's called Leopoldstadt. It won awards already in London, and it's just opened on Broadway in New York City. And nearly everyone who's seen it raves about how powerful it is, how it made them cry, how it's a must-see, especially for Jews. And front and center on the stage, performing in eight shows a week, is a Canadian Broadway star, Casey Levy. She was born and raised in a Jewish family in Hamilton. She went to Jewish school there. She got her start by singing in musicals in Hebrew at Camp Ramah in Utterson, Ontario. Levy's probably best known for her huge voice belting out the show tune Let It Go when she originated the role of Elsa the Ice Queen in the Broadway stage musical of Frozen. She played Elsa for two and a half years until the pandemic shut Broadway down in early 2020. Levy's done Jewish characters before, but she feels incredibly connected to her latest role in Leopoldstadt as a Jewish wife and mother from Vienna caught up in the Holocaust. I do lean into um, those days when I'm like, oh, I'm failing at motherhood right now because I'm not there for my kids. I, I lean into remembering that what I'm doing is important and, inf- and affecting people. And I think they would be proud of me if they understood why I wasn't at home with them. So I, they help me get through, and thinking about them in the piece is incredibly difficult as well. I'm Ellen Basner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, October the 31st, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. After high school, Casey Levy went to theater school in New York, and she's since built a 20-year acting career with starring roles in some of the major plays of our time, including Wicked, Rent, and Caroline, Now Change. Although she remains very connected to Canada, Levy did take out American citizenship on the same day Joe Biden was sworn in as U.S. president in 2021. And that's no accident. Leopoldstadt is loosely based on the life of Sir Tom Stoppard, now 85 years old. He's a Holocaust survivor too, but after his father was killed in 1941, his mother remarried a British soldier who wasn't Jewish. And his mother never spoke about his true religion again. Stoppard was raised without any trace of his Jewish faith. Coming up, Casey Levy joins to talk about why her new play is so timely with the rise of anti-Semitism and political support for right-wing parties in many parts of the world, making Jews very nervous. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Dave Fleishman in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. One of Montreal's most well-known Hasidic families, the Rodal family, is mourning the death of Rabbi Shmuel Rodal. He died in Milan two weeks ago at the age of 77, but news of his death has only just come out. Rabbi Rodal was the son of the late Rabbi Yosef Rodal, who came to Montreal in 1941 during the Holocaust with a famous group of nine Polish yeshiva students who were saved from Hitler thanks to visas handed out by a Japanese diplomat in Lithuania, a righteous Gentile named Chiuni Sugihara. The nine survivors founded the Lubavitch Yeshiva in Montreal, and the Rodal family went on to found the Rodal Judaica store in Montreal, which still exists today. Fifty years ago, in 1970, the late Rabbi Shmuel Rodal wanted to help out in the store when his father took ill, but as the story goes, the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Schneerson, had other ideas for him, and he sent the young man and his bride to Milan as emissaries. The couple has remained there ever since. They had 17 children, including Rabbi Lebele Rodal, who lives in Montreal. 
Rabbi Shmuel is also well known for establishing an etrog growing business in southern Italy, and his family's been bringing Italian etrogs to Jews around the world for Sukkot. And Casey Levy joins me now from her home in New Jersey. I want to talk, of course, about the, the opening of Leopoldstadt, and, and it's just it, it, we're three, four weeks into it, or a month almost, a little bit more than a month into it. And the reviews have been, except for one, pretty amazing. Who's coming to the, audi- to the play? Do you know if it's a mostly Jewish audience, or who are they talking I, to? I don't know who's coming. It's not really on our job description to know exactly the demographics, but I would certainly say it's you know, being in New York and being on Broadway, it's going to be a heavily Jewish audience. And I think people um, who are in any way connected to the themes of the piece, whether they're immigrants, um, whether their family came from different places and they are wanting to get in touch with their own roots, whether they're Jews. Um, and I think if also they're Tom Stoppard fans, you know, so there's like a really huge and wide net being cast. And I think it's bringing in people from all walks of life. And, you know, we hear the reactions during the show, um, we hear how it's affecting people and it's clear that it's landing. So that's been really, really exciting. What does, what do you hear? What do you hear? Like tears, gasps? What, what do you mean? Yes. We hear, you know, the way the play is structured, I don't know if you got a chance to read it. Um, What's really beautiful about what he has done with the piece is he has shown life prior to the Holocaust. You know, he's, he's gotten the audience invested in who these people are and their relationships when things were good. Um, so I think by the time we get to 1938, to that act in the show, I think people are still kind of hoping it's not going to happen, even though we all know that it is. Um, and I think that makes the impact even deeper. So yes, we hear them reacting and crying. We hear them, um, we hear a shocked gasp. We hear tons of laughter because there's lots of lightness to the piece, especially in the front end of it. Um, we hear a lot of knowing laughter, like a sort of understanding of the themes um, that I think I, I think a lot of the there's four Brits that have come over from the UK company and they have been really interested to see how moments play here versus in the UK where things didn't necessarily land in the same way so it's been really cool watching them react to the reactions and seeing what it's like to be playing for a New York Jewish audience it's landing at a time of rising world anti-semitism I don't have to explain to you you know um, yeah. Swastikas on schools and synagogues. Hamilton is not immune. There's war happening in Ukraine. How much of that context is weighing on you, you and your cast, as you send this out into the world now? In terms of whether what role you have to play in dealing with all this context. You know, I, I can I can't really speak officially for anyone else. We haven't incorporated the what's going on in the world into the play. We're very much in the time period of the play, but it's not lost on anybody the importance of telling this story now and the sad and scary ways in which it's resonating. Um, I think that's something we've all had conversations about, you know, on a break in rehearsal, um, during tech, you know, backstage. Um, we do talk about it a lot. And it's a, it's a very Jewish company. Most of the people playing Jews in the show are Jewish. Um, varying levels of observance or you know, whether they're religious or secular or however they identify, but um, ethnically speaking, it's um, it's like a, it's a story very important to most of the people telling it. And those that are playing like the non-Jewish roles, I think, are equally affected. You know, they're learning so much about 
the world from our perspective, you know, back then and now and the parallels that are so frightening that exist. I read one interview you did where you say some nights it gets you and other nights you push it away a bit. Yeah, no, it gets me because the writing is so, I mean, he's such a genius, Tom Stoppard, and what he, the way he's written it, we don't have to kind of gear up to perform it. You just get into the scene and before you know it, you're exactly where your character needs to be. And it's very difficult some nights, a lot of nights. Um, but luckily when we go off stage, we start laughing and we keep it light because uh, you have to. And we have to do it again, you know, later that evening or the next day. So um, we're just riding the wave of preservation of being, you know, uh, present on stage for all of it and then dusting it off when you when you get off stage so that you can function in your life. <laughs> right. Except now you have two kids. They're younger than the ones in the play. But as a mom of kids who will be either kinder transport or what have you, it's a bit different way that you can relate to it now. Absolutely. Yeah, my kids are front and center in my mind all the time. And, you know, not just because of the subject matter, also because I have mom guilt constantly and I'm not home for dinner, bath and bed every single night. And so, but they're always front and center. This is, you know, a very important role. It's uh, it's a very uh, historically significant play. It's heavy and as opposed to, you know, a nice musical with with themes that kids like. People are saying he's going to maybe not write again. This might be his last play, Sir Tom. Yeah, he has clarified that in recent interviews. But I think just, you know, given his age and stage and how meaningful this is to his life and how it has so much of his story in it, um, I think it's made some headlines for that reason. And because of, you know, as you said, the rise in anti-Semitism worldwide and the climate of our countries right now, um, I think that the play is really affecting people and it's it's worth making a trip to see it. All art is important. It doesn't have to be serious to matter. But I think if you're a Jew, no matter how you identify, you're going to see part of your story told in this piece because so much of what is explored in the show, it's not about, um, it's not exclusively about how do you practice? How do you identify? What are your feelings on Israel? That all trickles in in various parts, but at the core of it, it's about remembering our ancestors. And if there's one thing Jews across the entire spectrum of Judaism can agree on, I think it's honoring our ancestors and remembering the people that came before us. And I find that's the thing people are taking away when I speak to people after the show, friends and family that come. That's what they're most affected by is the story of these people and remembering them and trying to carry them in to the next generation and the generation after. So I think it's worth seeing. It's uh, just for that. Um, and if you're questioning about your, your Judaism and your relationship to your ethnicity, your culture, your religion, however you want to call it, I think this is a, a really, um, this can be a really meaningful night at the theater for you. Do you have to work on Yom Kippur and uh, Rosh Hashanah or those yeah. you do? Yes. So, did you fast? I mean, you can't really fast. If no, you're I don't really ever fast anymore. It's not really my jam, but I try to not eat for fun. You know, I try to just eat some basic stuff to get through the day when I'm working. Um, and, but, you know, I felt disappointed that we had a show on Yom Kippur, this show in particular. I thought that was a misstep. Um, and there, there was an opportunity 
had it opened a different time of year to maybe have canceled the show, but we literally started performances like four days prior. So there was no way around that, um, I'm sure, for the producers to sort that out so early in the run. Um, but I also, at the same time, felt like I was doing my piece and telling this very important part of our history as Jews on Yom Kippur. I felt like it was my, my synagogue for the day, you know, my way of honoring my history. The last time the Canadian Jewish News spoke to you was 2013. I found the article when, uh, you know, they were saying Canada's proud star on Broadway. And, and so it's, a lot has happened in that 10 years, right? It has, a has yes. A lot of life has been lived. A lot of life has been lived. And one of the things that struck me, I saw, I saw you always talk about your origin singing in Camp Ramah in Utterson, Ontario, RR number one, Utterson, Ontario, which I know that because I used to write my friends who went there. Um, what's your relationship with the camp today and, and what, what ties do you still have with them? Um, I keep in touch with, with Mitch Cohen and a lot of the people that were running the camp when I was there as a camper and a staff member. And my best friends from camp are still my best friends. So Ramah, you know, is, it, it figures pretty heavily in my life just by, you know, nature of it being where I did so much of my growing up. Um, and every now and then I'll do like a benefit for them or send them a video message for one of their events. Um, but my kids aren't yet, they're very young, so they're not at camp age yet. So we haven't crossed that bridge as to whether or not they'll be going to any Ramah at some point. But um, yeah, it was some of the best years of my life. I love Ramah. Do you have any Ramah um, scripts still in your, I don't know, box of memories that you keep with you? I've got them somewhere. They're in, probably in my parents' house in the basement, just like Les in Hebrew, which I then played on Broadway. Um, hair in Hebrew, which I then played on Broadway. Is that a thing? They call it Les Mis or they call it something else? They call it Les Mis. I think they did. And then they just translated all of the songs. <laughs> and then in hair, the same thing, they call it like, I don't know how you even say it. They called it Se'ar. Se'ar. So... Yeah. I know that, you know, growing up in Hamilton, there's a lot of uh, Jewish famous actors who were on Schitt's Creek that have the same last name as you. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk about yes. whether you're related and what the, we're not? Do I you think, know them? no, I don't know them. They're Levy and we're Levy. So, um, but yes, that Hamilton's claim to fame is like Marty Short, Eugene Levy, Victor Garber. Um, all of those greats from Second City. So, yes, Hamilton on the map. <laughs> Are you a Schitt's Creek fan? I am a Schitt's it? Creek fan. Yeah, I totally I watched it a lot over the pandemic. Kept me laughing. <laughs> when you heard that there's going to be a Frozen 3, what was your reaction? It was out just I, last week, I think. I have no idea till you're telling me now. So, that's awesome. <laughs> I did not hear that news. Would you guys would you ever consider going back to that role? I know it's on touring mode now, not on New York, you know, stages. I don't think they'll make a musical out of Frozen 2, so I don't think they would out of Frozen 3, but hey, never say never. I think I'll probably have aged out by the time that gets to Broadway because these things take like four and five years to develop. But doing Frozen was such a fabulous experience. I mean, it was a huge, huge chapter of my life and um, I'm grateful for it all the time. And one last thing, I read that you, um, your dad used to sing songs to you in, in bed before you went to sleep and you would sing together. What was one of the songs you pass on that you sing to your kids? Can you tell us what they are? What so is? many of them. So I sing Catch a Falling Star to my kids and my dad sang that to me. My dad used to sing Sunny Side of the Street and I sing that to my kids. Um, 
Count Your Blessings. Do you know that song? When you're worried and you can't sleep, just count your blessings instead of sheep. And you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. So a lot of those, oh, Till There Was You, some old Gershwin stuff. So, you know, there was some old Broadway standards in there. My dad is an incredible singer, very musical guy. So that was, yeah, that was a huge part of my childhood. And I, I love doing that with my kids. On my two nights a week that I get to do bedtime with them, I like to sing to them as much as possible. But these are not your typical, like, Disney stuff. Like, it isn't, uh, you know, from Simba or from your own Frozen stuff. They don't want to hear that, right? Or they do. My son, like, basically lived at the theater when I was Elsa. And he still introduces me as Elsa to people. So he's very into it. My daughter isn't aware of what's happening yet. She's one and a half. But um, but no, I mean, since he's, my son is six, and when he hit four, he started being really, like, really into Moana, he's into Encanto, so yes, we're singing some Little Mermaid songs, those are all in the rotation. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Sharon Chaudriker in Toronto, who wrote in to suggest we do a story on Israeli dancing. And we'll end the show with a sneak peek at tomorrow's episode. What it was like at Toronto's International Airport when the last LL direct flight from Canada to Tel Aviv left on its farewell voyage, bringing an end to 40 years of service here by Israel's National Airline. Yeah, we also, we, we try to approach the management and ask for, you know, to, to reconsider. But we are not the uh, ones who uh, make the decisions. But I hope... Uh, it's going to reopen, you know, in summer or maybe holidays uh, next year. 